All right. So, um, uh, so yes, all once again, Pastor Don, our new lead pastor, and I just once again just welcome him as he um, speaks and share God's word with us today. Well, I've been here for uh, about a week, uh, ten days or so, and um, it's been a real joy to be with uh, different people and learning what's going on and how life is and you, in uh, different people's experience. And um, today, I, I want to remind you or explain to you, one of my goals is to be a learner during the first couple of months that I'm here and try, now believe me, it's very, very difficult for me, to keep my mouth shut, okay? That means try to actually learn what you guys do and how you function and that kind of thing as opposed to jumping in too quickly and trying to give my opinion. Because usually when you jump in too quickly and offer your opinion, all you're offering is ignorance. And so uh, I'll promise you I will have plenty of ignorance to offer at a later time. But at least uh, it'll make me feel better that it might be a little bit uh, more controlled ignorance. Today, I, I would like for us to uh, kind of reflect back. Now, for you, between uh, last October, when I visited the church the first time, and um, today, you have had uh, many different speakers, many different things going on in your life, and all of that kind of thing. So, for you to say, I have absolutely no idea what you preached about when you came the last time, would not shock me. However, I'll kind of remind you briefly today that the last time I was here, I shared with you about a friend of mine in the Bible by the name of Jonah. Now, you have to understand, just because I have friends in the Bible, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're real close friends or that I have great respect for every aspect of their life because the Bible's got all kinds of people in it. Good people, bad people, successful people, failures. Oh my, that sounds like us. You know, we're all that way. And uh, I assure you, to stand before you today is a very humbling experience because in all reality, I will never meet all of your needs. Now, you can say, oh, but pastor, you should, uh, you should try. But I'd like for you to put the shoe on the other foot, so to speak, and pretend you are up here. I promise you, different people have different expectations and different values and different goals. Uh, some of you understand things because you live in a box. You like black and white, red and white. Everything is done in a certain way. Other of you are just as loose and free and try something new. And somewhere in between there... We do this thing in church life that's called preaching. And we have a pastor that gets up and he stands and he tries to share his heart, tries to encourage and tries to help, only help, us all to move toward a positive worship experience when we come together on a given Sunday. The music that we've just seen, that we've just heard, that we've just participated in, the prayer that we've already heard and the more prayers we're going to hear, and be a part of today, are all efforts to assist us in worship. A pastor is nothing more than that. He's here trying to help us to worship, but at the same time, he's trying to be a cheerleader to say, let's stay on track. Brothers and sisters, I will tell you, 
I'm very weak in many areas. You know, when I read in the Scripture and I read how Paul writes, he always strikes me as a very interesting friend. Because when I look at Paul, he's always saying, oh, look at me, be like me. And I keep thinking, man, you're prideful. Now, in fact, Paul was prideful in some areas, but he was also quite a model for us, too, in other areas. And so, it's, it's, uh, it's something I would say to you, just the opposite. Probably don't look at me, because I know I'm not always successful. I'm quite often very weak, and I make many mistakes. But I want to, you to know that we are all on the same path, and I want to be here as a cheerleader for you, as you will be a cheerleader for me. This week I've had many of you who have said you were praying for me. Believe me, of anybody in this room that needs prayer, I'm the guy. I know my weaknesses, and thank goodness you don't. Because if you really knew, you probably wouldn't have me here. But I'm very thankful to be with you, and I'm looking forward to getting to it. One thing I would ask you to do over and over and over is introduce yourself and say your name again. I keep meeting people that are Henry's or Alfred's, or whatever. And I keep saying, you're number four today, and I just don't know who is who. So, um, it was good for me to hear Christie's name, because I haven't heard a whole lot of Christie's yet. But you may have five of those, who knows? So, um, just be patient with me, and assist me any way you can along that line. This morning, I'd like for us to remember some of what we spoke about the last time. And I'm going to do something. There was a guy. Now, I, you have to understand. I'm very much aware that for the little bit of hair that I still have, it's already gray. Okay? So I speak from a different generation than many of you. Now, for those of you in the room who've already managed to dye your hair black, I'm not even going to talk with you about that. That's your choice. But if I dyed mine black, it would look really funny. So we won't go there. So I just have to live with the fact that the little bit of hair I have is gray and the rest is going to be disappearing very soon. And, um, but I would like for us to, to look back and remember uh, Jonah. Uh, as I said the last time I was here, Jonah was a very, very interesting man. But our goal with, with him was very much to understand his story, his environment, his situation. And that's what I would have for us again, even this day. Um, as you remember the book of Jonah... Uh, the story basically is about God giving a very, very clear call. It's something that many of you would love to have from God. You'd love for the telephone to ring and God would say, look, I want you to go to Guatemala, be there for a period of somewhere one year more or less. I love that term that she used about that. Well, it could be more, could be less. That's the only way to go into missions. But in Jonah's case, he was told very clearly that God had a message and wanted to use him, go to the people of Nineveh and do the job. Now, most of us would envy that clarity. Um, but Jonah didn't get too excited about it because Jonah did not have a burden or a call for those people. He had his own direction for what he wanted to do. And so we can remember that today, as we look at this story, there are things we can learn. But I don't want to spend a lot of time reviewing that because my goal is to very much, for those of you who are a little older, to, to go with me in following the teachings of Paul Harvey. Now, who's Paul Harvey? He, I don't even know if he was a Christian. Probably not, but that's another story. But Paul Harvey was a radio person that you used to hear. 
And he would come on in the news about noontime quite often. And as he would be talking, he would reach to a certain point and then he'd say, now, what I've just said sounds good, but now for the rest of the story. Today, we're going to look at the rest of the story. The first part of the story is the book of Jonah. We saw in Jonah, God gave him a call. He said, go to Nineveh. Nineveh is important to me. This is what was God was challenging. God was saying, I want to reach Nineveh. Now, you and I are going to spend a few minutes and we're going to think about what the city of Nineveh was like. Basically, today is very simple. We're going to look at who God is. We're going to look at what Nineveh is and was. And then we're going to ask ourselves who we are. It's very simple. One, two, three. But as we look at the book of Jonah, we see a man uh, that is struggling with his willingness to follow God. God has said, I want you to go because I love the people in Nineveh. I care about them. We need to try to reach those people. Now hear that? We need to try to reach those people. That's telling us a little bit about the nature of God. But then we go on in the story and we see what happened because Jonah did not have the same burden. He had a different perspective. He said, God, that's fine for you wanting to reach those people, but not me. So hold on to that thought and let's look at the book of Nahum. N-A-H-U-M. You know, it's a book that honestly speaking, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody ever preach from. I've not ever, it's just not a, but it's a small book. But having last time covered the book of Jonah and today covering the book of Nahum, just think in two sermons we would have covered the whole, we would have covered two whole books. Not bad. I want us to cover some different books. I want us to understand that, that scripture is designed for us to learn. It's designed not just to academic attainment, but actually to learn something that will help our lives. And so when we look at the book of Nahum, we have to realize the book of Nahum was designed and called the book of comfort. The book of comfort. It was written to try to comfort people. And it was written about 130 to 150 years after Jonah. So Jonah was written, and you remember the story of Jonah, because in the end, Jonah did go to Nineveh. He did preach. The people in chapter 3 of Jonah repented. They said, okay, we were wrong. Who knows? Maybe if we change, God, you will change your plan and not punish us. And that's exactly what God did. Now, Jonah's response toward that is in chapter 4, we see a very strange prophet's response. And it was mainly, basically, God trying to remind Jonah that his value system was very selfish. And, of course, we hope none of us are that equally selfish. But that was the problem for Jonah. But as we go on, then you assume, well, life is good now. Nineveh has repented. God has given them a second chance. They can go forward with life and their city is going to be moving in a new direction. Because in chapter 3, at the very end, even the king says, who knows, if we change, God will give us a new chance and we'll see what happens. Then you go to the book of Nahum. And when you look at Nahum about 150 years later, you know, we know that the book, is talking about Nineveh again. We've already heard the Nineveh story. Everything sounds fine. That's why we now are looking at the rest of the story. You know, very often in life, we have different times in our lives. We experience different things. I've met, I, I remember I worked in Macau many years ago. And um, we had several people 
in Macau that were very, very dedicated Christians. You couldn't open the door without them being there. They were always involved in different activities. And I remember a couple of them that came to the United States to study. They went over to the States and they were arrived there. They were there and everything was fine. Four years later, five years later, they went back to Macau and they never, ever went back to church. Now, in one of them case, she got to the United States and she was the head of her Bible study group. She was the leader of their uh, Chinese fellowship. Boy, she was busy as could be. I don't know if she burned out or if she just said when she went back to, to Macau, I'm not going to do this again. And she just simply dropped away. The point is there are stages in our lives. There are different experiences in our lives. And it really is not so important what you were as who you are today. You know, some of us used to be very, really hot-blooded Christians. But today I'm playing Sunday. I go ahead and I come on Sunday, but my heart's not here. My body's here, but my heart's, heart's not here. I'm just playing church on Sunday because I have friends. I want to go out for lunch with every Sunday. There are different things that motivate people differently. In my friend's case, she went through another stage. In, in those two, both of those two friends at this point, it's been over 20 years and neither one of them have ever been back to church. And they were what we would call a committed Christian, a dedicated follower. You know, you're going to have to look deep within yourself. I can't tell you if you're a Christian. You can't tell me if I'm a Christian. But you know, my Christian faith has got to be more than just between my ears. You know, I, we used to use a term and we would say, he is an 18-inch away Christian. And I said, what does that mean? That it's 18 inches between your mind and your heart. Just saying, that's how much that's, he just needs to change. If he could move Jesus into his heart, he'd be a Christian. But his Christianity is all in his head. You know, only you know whether or not Jesus is Lord of your life. The Scripture says we're to believe. But the meaning in the Scripture on that is believe and trust. If all your belief is just between your ears, we haven't got enough. When we have baptism, baptism is not baptism into the church. It's baptism into the church as the walking body of Christ. It's not church in the organizational extent. There are more things that we have to consider when we do those things. When you say, I want to become a Christian, that's one thing. When you say, I want to join the church, we say, good. That's not enough. First, are you a believer? Do you trust Christ as Savior and Lord? We need to work on that with people. But only you know whether or not it applies for yourself. So we look at the book of Nahum, Comforter, 150 years after Jonah. It's a prophetic book. Message of consolation. Now, why would I say message of consolation? If you look at this book, now we haven't read it today, but I'm going to go ahead and read a little bit from it. Let's look at Nahum chapter 1. The burden of Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum, uh, the Elkoshite. God is jealous and the Lord revengeth. The Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and is great in power and will not at all acquit 
the wicked. The Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm and the clouds and in the dust of his feet. And it goes on there. Verse 7, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. He can tell. He knows when we're playing religion. Religion won't save you. I remember going into Malaysia, completing a form that asked me the question, what religion I had. And I put nil. And they came and talked to me about it. And I said, no, no, no. I said, because I don't believe in religion. Religion is a waste of your time. Now, I am a Christian. Oh, oh, you should put Christian. I said, well, what I needed to put down is follower of Jesus. And it allowed me to talk to them about the fact that the religion is not going to allow me to have eternal life. It's only a walk with Christ that allows that. He knows them that trust in Him. He goes through in chapter 1 and he, he basically it is a description of God and His anger and His frustration with the city of Nineveh. Chapter 2 continues on. Chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. He that dashes the pieces is come up before thy face. Keep thy munition. Watch the way, what thy loins strong. Fortify the power mightily. For the Lord hath turned away His excellency of Jacob and His excellency of Israel. For the emptiers and the emptied them out and married their vine branches. And it goes on through some other things. Verse 8. But Nineveh is, uh, is old like a pool of water. Yet they uh, flee away. Stand, stand, shall they cry. But none shall look back. Verse 10. She is empty and void and waste, and the heart melteth and the knees smite together, and much pain is in her loins, and the faces of them all gather blackness. Looking in uh, verse 13 of chapter 2. Behold, I am against thee, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will burn her chariots in the smoke, and the sword shall devour the young lions, and I will cut off her prey from the earth, and the voice of the messenger shall no more be heard. Chapter 3, Woe to the bloody city! It is all full of lies and robbery, and prey departeth not. And if you really want to read something interesting, read chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. Very intense description of God's displeasure with the city of Nineveh. This was written, like I say, about 150 years after we saw Jonah's book. Here it's written because of the disobedience. Now remember, in Jonah they changed. Looked like life was good. But I said a few moments ago, we go through stages. So for a while it looked like Nineveh was getting things back together. But gradually things changed again and they fell back in their old habits. And the old habits allowed them to begin to start become selfish and focus on themselves. And so we see this as it goes through and then gradually this book comes about simply saying it's not going to be acceptable. And the, uh, they, we have to remember that the whole city of Nineveh was destroyed in 612 B.C. So eventually, God got so tired of this that He destroyed the whole city. Today, I'd like for us to think a little bit, and I, quite honestly, I wish we had the flexibility to do this, and gradually we will, but you're going to have to learn who I am and how I like to work with people on things like this. But first of all, I want to ask a question, and that is, could you describe God for me in just a couple of words? When you think about God, 
How would you describe him? Was he an optimist or is God a pessimist? You know, we just looked at Jonah. It looked like everything was going pretty well. He stepped in, took care of the people, and everything was moving along. Then you look at Nahum, and God is saying, no way. I will not allow this to continue. Pretty negative. When you look at Jonah, how would you describe the God of Jonah? Anybody? When you think about it, what would be your description of the God of Jonah? Pardon me? Compassionate. Okay. Anyone else? Merciful. Anyone else? Hopeful. Hopeful. Now look at Nahum and what is said there. And if you really want to get disappointed, read chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. What is the God that we see in Nahum? Same? Different. Blended. See, this is the reality, is that God is trying to be consistent. In order to be hopeful, compassionate, and merciful, He has to be willing to see things realistically. You know, it's like a mother or a father looking at their kids. You know, we want our kids to do better. We want them to do well. But it means we're going to have to also put up with some very challenging days along the way. And sometimes we have to call them out and simply say, this is wrong, this is not good for you, this is not healthy. And that's what God is all about. He steps into the picture and He says, no, He said, your lifestyle doesn't work. So as we look at the character of God, which is one of our goals today, and again, when we look at the book at Nahum, that's where it goes. At the starting point, chapter 1, verse 1 to 2, and verse 2 and 3, Nahum starts with God. He talks about God's wrath and his anger over injustice. Power of God is in his, his frustration with those that uh, simply ignore him. God's goodness knows trusting people. That's what we're talking about, chapter 1, verse 7. The attributes of God. We know that the attributes of God, some of you have heard this, omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. That just simply means he's everywhere, he knows everything, and he's all-powerful. Well, those are wonderful things about his basic strengths, but it helps us to understand his character. But I dare say if you talk to the average guy in Vancouver to describe uh, what God is or who God is, the response you most likely would get is something about God being very, very nice or very loving or very caring at most, or they would just simply deny that there is a God. But for most Christians, what do most Christians say about God? Don't we tend to think about God as love? I remember from the time I was very small, we used to sing the songs. Every song I sang was God is love. I never sang a song that said, God's going to punish you very much if you do bad things. We just didn't sing that song. I don't think it was missed. I just don't think we even thought about it. But the Scripture does not hide from that responsibility. When we talk in our churches, we have to use this horrible word that people don't like. Sin. We live in a sinful world. It impacts the lives and values, morals and goals and directions and purpose and everything about who we are 
and yet we don't like to talk about it. it. Makes people uncomfortable. And yet for Christians, it's our responsibility. But all of us know John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Praise God. I'm glad He loved it. But His understanding of love included a willingness to make hard calls. Make difficult decisions. Following God is not easy. Making decisions is not always easy. Because you don't like to receive criticism for the decisions you make. But we have to make them for the betterment of the kingdom of God. Another thing though, beyond the character of God and who God is, we have to ask ourselves in this story, what is the character of Nineveh? What was the character of that city, the city of Nineveh? If you look, we have to see what we, we, we can within this place. But this city made war against God's people. And basically, when you make war against God's people, you're making war against God. They had their values. Again, like we see in chapter 3 of Jonah, at the very end, we see a repentance occur. Repentance is good. Repentance is something we all need to do, but we need to repent daily. You know, many of you have had times in your lives where you've had a retreat or a time with God and you've repented. And you said, God, I know that I've been treating you in a way that was really disrespectful. God, I know that I'm treating you as my Sunday experience. And Monday to Saturday, nobody knows I'm a Christian. God, I know I need to allow you to be the Lord of my life. We've gone through those repenting times in our lives, but gradually, slowly, we find ourselves forgetting and we move on. That's what happened with Nineveh. Nineveh was doing fine in Jonah toward the end. <clears throat> but what we see in the Scripture is in the book of Nahum, the rest of the story shows us, shows us that that city did not make it through the hard times. They made it for a while and then they utterly failed. See, that's the challenge for you and me. God's looking for who we are at the end of the race, not just in the middle of the race. You can run a hard race, be right at the front, and be just picking along and life is good. But if when the final tape is there, you're at the very end, there's a problem. Nineveh. How does God view our pride, our lives, our values, our goals, our strategies? Our motivations. Nineveh was prideful. They thought they could do things of their own ability. There was a certain point there where they started off saying, we're dependent on God. That's right after Jonah. Everything was clicking along. They were saying, you know, life is good. God cares for us. He forgave us. Things are smooth. But gradually they began to place him aside and start depending on their own abilities. That's not an unusual habit the habit we all experience. Chapter 2 of, of uh, Nahum. Nineveh prepares for the enemies. They have, a, have people that are coming in to fight them. They're getting ready for the battle. But Nineveh's pride begins to take over them. And then we finally see in chapter 2, verses 6 to 10, that ultimately they are going to be destroyed. And we finally see that the, the, the city of Nineveh is destroyed to the point that it was not until 1810, the year 1810, before the city of Nineveh was rediscovered. It was completely abolished. 
It was totally out of vision of anyone in the world until 1810. And they finally just stumbled across that particular city. And so the point there being the character of Nineveh, the values and the morals are what killed it. Today I want to basically give you a short challenge. And it's a challenge to you and a challenge to me. Because you see, I came to be a part of your circle here. Not saying I have all answers. Obviously I don't. But because I wanted to work with brothers and sisters who are focused on serving God. I will assure you there will be many mistakes that will be made when I'm here. But the challenge for all of us is to find why this church exists. What is our purpose and what our goals are? So I have to ask the question, what is the character of Vancouver? You see, we were looking at the character of Nineveh. I don't know the character of Vancouver. I haven't lived here. But you should. I remember in Hong Kong a number of years ago, I asked some of my students to do some certain projects to get out into the society, into the regular, working, normal part of society. And my students really didn't know how to take on the assignment because my students were so accustomed to running back and forth to the church. There's a lot of security and a lot of safety of running around with a circle of other Christians. But you know, if we don't understand the values and thinking of the non-Christians around us, how can we possibly reach them for Jesus? And that's what we're all about. Christians are not here to have our own private club. We are here to be salt and light. Nope, not my idea, God's idea. Salt and light. The question is, how well are we doing? When new churches are started, we should be saying, praise God, we'll support you in prayer. We want to see how that can work and see what we can do. Even if they're started in ways that we don't even fully understand, we pray for them. We pray that God will work. But we also need to pray for ourselves. Because God will bless our church if we are consistently dependent on Him. I came to be able to be a part of your group because I believe what I'm saying. So the question is, who is, the, who is God to most of the people in His character in this particular place? As you look at Vancouver, what do most people think about God? People you see on the streets. What is their definition? Nahum was a very practical prophet. Chapter 3, verse 1 to 7, we see the rationale for punishment. Basically, Nahum says, all of the rebellion deserves punishment. What What are the sins of our day? Is there any hope for us? We said that Jonah brought hope. And then there was change. And yet the book of Nineveh, uh, I mean the book of Nahum, when it presents Nineveh, we see punishment still coming. My prayer for, for this city is that you and I will make a difference and that we can see change, that we'll work with other Christians to try to make an impact on the city of Vancouver. Who dares to prophesy against this day? And I don't know if you've thought about that, but you know, standing up like what was done by Nahum, And prophesying against the city of Nineveh was not an easy job. 
If you today were asked to be a prophet for this city, who would you dare to speak in front of? Do we dare to stand up against sin or do we just simply close our mouths and watch it and say, well, the way it is. We have a responsibility. God has called us for purpose. But if God has called us for purpose, that means being a Christian is not a lightweight task. Being a Christian is a challenge. And in our day, we've got to be salt and light. But if you will take on the task, it will be the most exciting path you've ever taken. We're here to worship today. But is passive participation enough for God? Sure, we gather together. We sing songs. You know, I've been in many congregations where they do the little dances and stuff. Good for them. But at the end, they feel good. They walk out the back. Everything's great. But did they change? Did they accept that it was God trying to challenge them? to use this week for Him. How do we put feet to our faith? What are our plans? What is our strategy? What are we going to do next? You know, all of us are going to hit struggles in life. This church has hit struggles in life. The question is, do the the struggles reach you and frighten you away from the church? like my two friends I mentioned in Macau? Or do they challenge you to say, wow, I'm going to be a part of this and watch God do miraculous things. I'm going to make myself fully in in availability to the Father. We've got to be a team, a loving team, a caring team that loves Vancouver more than anybody else. It's our job. We're Christians. We don't desire to be another Nineveh today. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for the testimony of both Jonah and Nahum. We would ask that You would allow the experiences of Nineveh to be a challenge to us in Vancouver. Father, we would ask that you would allow this church to be a light on a hill for you. In Jesus' name.